0: You are listening to Rootbound, a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside.
1: Rootbound is brought to you by Black Locust. It's a tree, not a bug.
0: Welcome to this episode of Rootbound. I'm the host of the show and my name is Steve and Rootbound is the podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. Each week I invite a guest who joins me on the show to share with us all about a plant that's meaningful to them and then I share with the guest about a plant that is meaningful to me and through this process we can all learn more about plants and learn more about each other. It is the philosophy of Rootbound that everybody has at least one plant. That is meaningful to them because plants are so integral to our lives as humans on this planet. Now, before I meet our guest today, I want to do a little bit of vocabulary, which I haven't done in a little while. And it's because I mentioned a word later in the show, and I think I didn't quite get the definition. Actually, a couple words. I think I didn't quite get those definitions quite right. So I wanted to go over them now so I get them in my brain, and maybe you can get them in your brain too. So first, I just want you to imagine a fall leaf, and that you're holding the fall leaf in your hand, and you're holding it by that little stem that comes down from the leaf. Now, that stem is actually not a stem. It's one of the words that I'm going to talk about. It is a petiole. That is what that little stem that comes from a leaf, which is not a stem, it is a petiole. The petiole connects to the stem. Um, and so keep that in your mind. That's a petiole. I wanted to define that. That's one thing. And then the other word that I mention later on is the word pulvinus p-u-l-v-i-n-u-s and i mentioned that this is uh, a i say that it is a kind of petiole but it's actually a part of a petiole of some plants a pulvinus is a swollen region on a petiole that can help a plant to move a leaf um in relation to the sun or some other stimulus it can help move the leaf. So that's what a povinus is, and that's what a petiole is. And not all plants have petioles. If you think a blade of a grass, grass has no petiole. The leaf is just coming straight out of the ground. So uh, there is a term to define that. A uh, leaf that has no petiole is a petiolate, and a leaf that has a petiole is a petiolate. Leaf. So those are the words I wanted to define for you. And with that, let's speak with our guest.
1: Here's that sunrise serenader, Frankie Carl, playing his latest composition, Falling Leaf.
0: Hi Enoch, thank you for joining me on this episode of RootBound.
1: Thank you for having me, Steve. It's great to be here with you.
0: You're very welcome. Do you have a plant to share with us today?
1: Yes, today I'm talking about chlorophytum comosum, and this is uh, commonly known as the spider plant. Now the spider plant, yeah, the spider plant's really uh, an important plant to me in my whole growing experience, as it was basically the very first plant. That I got to grow, and this takes me back to when I was about, oh, I would say about seven or eight years old. And uh, my mother had just a great wide collection of plants, and I just remember I was always fascinated, following her around the house, you know, whether helping her watering them or all that sort of stuff, from a from a very young age. But I remember that she had this just really crazy plant that had all of these cool, you know. Uh, straight leaves that just popped right out of it yeah I, w- I was
0: gonna I was gonna say that uh, the spider plant you're describing it now and I was like I'm pretty sure that's one I, I as a lot actually a lot of listeners will know I'm actually not much of a house plant guy as for a guy right. having a plant podcast but it's that one that <laughs> kind of looks like a, I don't know it kind of looks like a somebody's crazy hair coming out in all directions yeah, or like, or like exactly. a basket of really wild grass but kind of thick grass or something, right?
1: Right, right. Like if you caught yourself in a picture just the right way with it behind you, it would look like you had like this crazy sprawling hair Like you got the top of your head. Right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very, very good. Yeah. Oh, can you see that, that Latin name one more time? That's also I realized I've, I've, I don't think I've ever heard that one before.
1: It's uh, chlorophytum comosum. Mm. Good. yeah All i right. didn't even think about the latin name until I like, until the podcast but i thought <laughs> i better look it up yeah yeah well, but yeah. um yeah it's uh again too they also call it spider ivy or airplane plant is another couple of mm. names for it as well But again, you know, when I was young, I think that plant just fascinated me so much by how it sprawled out and what it did. But one of the cooler things about the spider plant, I think, is and I think what really fascinated me about this plant in particular when I was younger was that um, when uh, the spider plant reproduces, it sends out a stem and it shoots a stem out, and at the bottom of the stem is a bunch of little plantlets. They're called oh. uh, little spiderlets, um, and That's so cute and disturbing at the same time. <laughs> exactly right. So here you got this one big plant, and then it's got a whole bunch of, and I mean, it puts on a ton, a ton of baby little spider plantlets. And I just remember just being so fascinated with that, and that was like my mother, one of my mother's first like. Um, you know, uh, lessons and teaching me in uh, growing and all that um, from this young age. And I remember taking one of those and or, or taking me to the plant and letting me just pluck off that little plantlet and at the very bottom of it has like little tiny nodes. And she showed me how if you put it in just a little glass of water, that those nodes will form roots. And then a couple of weeks later, we're taking it out of the water and putting it in a pot, just a little pot. And uh, that was one of the very first plants that uh, I had in my own bedroom, in my own space, you know. And I just remember that plant there for, you know, I mean, probably until I was, I had that was probably until I was a teenager at least. And, you know, it grew big. It produced its own babies eventually and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, that just brings back a lot of really great memories of that plant and everything. And um, yeah, I just, uh, I just really love that plant. And I've got maybe about three or four of them around the house and uh, a couple of different varieties. There's two basic varieties of them, yeah.
0: I was going to mention, so this is not a uh, video podcast, but I can see Enoch's uh, wonderful background, which is full of plants. Is there a spider plant right behind you or am I misidentifying that? Right, right above there. on the t- oh, right there, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the
1: main yep. plant right up here. Yeah, and all the plantlets. There's oh. probably about a hundred of them right here in a bunch.
0: Wow, they're they're bigger than I thought. I guess. Wow, that looks really cool.
1: Well, there's about a hundred of them, so it looks like a big old bunch together. But, uh, looking uh, at it in the background, I thought
0: it was like two different plants at two different levels, but now I see yes. how it's like the main plant, and then there's kind of like it looks like they're dangling a little bit, and then these little mm-hmm. tiny versions. Really neat.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's just a really fascinating way of uh, reproduction for the plant, you know, and a really cool lesson on plant propagation as well that I got to learn with such an easy one, because they're just really easy. You pluck one of those little things off, you stick it in a little glass of water, like I mentioned, and then a couple weeks later, you got some roots. And uh, in fact, um, I've even just taken them right off the plant and stuck them right into soil without even water, too, and uh. had them succeed as well. So, I mean, they're just so easy to propagate. And just a really beautiful plant, uh, you know, when they get full grown. You get this little tiny plantlet, and then literally a year later, it's this big, massive plant. And, yeah, it's just I just love them and again too uh you know there are a couple of varieties i think the one that i've got and you can tell they either have uh, white on the edges with green down the middle or there's white down the middle with green on the edges oh interesting and, uh, so i got both of those varieties around here so very cool now
0: I, I, one question i have before i get into dazzling details about this is i think it sounds like your experience with like I had, I had houseplants when i was a kid but for some reason i i wasn't well i guess i was interested into it but it sounds like you had like a, a deeper interest at a younger at a younger age than maybe I did and maybe I think I don't know maybe that's not as common or yeah it, it right. sounds like you were like very into plants even from a uh, a young age
1: Yeah, well, you know, my growing story probably started well before I was even, uh, you know, even alive, I suppose. Uh, Both of my parents, uh, my mother just loved houseplants, she just had tons of them. In fact, I mean, you're looking at my background, I probably have more than she had back then. But, (laughs) but you know, she had probably she had a good amount uh, of a collection herself. But my father was also a horticulturalist as well. You know, I remember being young, even, you know, years before propagating that plant going to uh, his college nurseries with him as he was studying horticulture and all that sort of stuff and and uh, he tells me stories of how uh, I would uh, uh, repeat those Latin words for all of these plants better than he could <laughs> at this young age you know I'm not that good with them now I mean I may have been able to come up with chlorophydom comosum because of looking it up online, but <laughs> Latin—the Latin names kind of evade me a bit when it comes to a lot of the plants. But uh, well, that's a theme on this. But show, I do so. <laughs> have that deeper experience, I suppose, that was kind of just uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, given to me by my parents.
0: That's really interesting. You know, there's a common phrase we say on this, which was coined by my friend Max uh, many episodes ago. Um, w- which, uh, actually seems to not apply to you, but that, that phrase is, uh, botany comes with age. And I feel like the right. older I get, the more like interested in plants. And I think there's a commonality about people like getting really into plants, but yeah, I, I, that's, yeah, that's, that's,
1: that's interesting. I, yeah, I've had, and I carried this interest for plants, you know, from that young age and had always have had like a handful of house plants. Um, but, you know, there was a break, you know, in my adult life, you know, I got to be, you know, my early 20s and all the way through my 30s, you know, or kind of like I didn't do much with plants. I always had, like I said, had a handful of them. But man, when I started getting older, got into my 40s, <laughs> all of my interest towards plants just doubled, tripled, quadrupled. You know, I got a ton of these indoor house plants, but you know, my real love is outdoor uh, vegetable gardens and things like that as well too. So, but again, just, it, it, it's just something that kind of comes with uh, how I was brought up, but uh, also, you know, just, again, it's something that lives inside of myself, you know, as well too, that, there, you know, there's this just love for green growing things.
0: Well, I guess the botany comes with age does hold true. Uh, c- it can get more intense. Even, yes. yeah,
1: Yes, it, that's right. It intensifies.
0: Indeed, indeed. Well, uh, let's talk about some fun facts and dazzling details about the spider plant uh, chlorophytum. Oh, I missed the last one. Camosum. <laughs> camosum. There we
1: go. Yeah, chlorophytum camosum. Um, yeah, I, again, too, you know, it's uh, details about it. Um, it's, you know, again, what do they say? It's a... Uh, tropical plant i think it's more native to like uh, i think africa is what mm. i was reading about so it's really like a native plant there um again too um you know it, it grows in this big array of uh, leaves that are just straight you know unlike your uh, you know more I don't know, you say rounded or heart shaped leaves that a lot of mm-hmm. plants are, you know, it's kind of like a, almost a, like a palm in a way, but growing from the ground without the palm trunk, you know? And, uh, so that kind of makes it a unique plant in itself. And then as I talked about the way it propagates, I mean, it's just, I think that's probably one of the more unique thing it does. I don't know if you've ever, uh, uh grown the, um, uh, uh hen and chicks it's a oh um, it's a succulent right a succulent yes. i've not and, i've
0: seen it and i talked about it uh, well i have a couple echeveria which i think sometimes those are called hen and chicks uh but yeah, yeah. i know what you're i would know what you're, you're talking about
1: so if you've seen those and if you know those then you're familiar with kind of how they put out that stem and bring out their mm-hmm. little plantlets and that's how they propagate and send those out you know um So for, you know, a spider plant, actually, you know, we have them hanging in these baskets, but, um, they would be growing, you know, ground level,
0: Uh and
1: those stems would push their way out, you know, horizontally along the ground level, and then those plantlets, as they came out, would just kind of, you know, again, Uh start setting roots and set up a new plants, you know, maybe about a foot or so away so that they could spread out. And so this plant could completely spread itself out all over the place um if it was allowed to grow ground level and do that so
0: very interesting yeah that's really cool now one thing i just was googling this because i I wanted to look at this plant a little bit and i pulled up his wikipedia and the first thing i was thinking because it looks a little bit like grass yes i was wondering if it was a monocot or a dicot which i don't know if that terminology is in in your brain um but most grasses are monocots, which means when they, when they sprout, it's just one leaf as the dicots sprout. They have two, they have two. And apparently it is a monocot, which is interesting. So it's like, it is in the grass.
1: Yeah. World. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I guess that was the one that was evading me when I was trying to describe it was that it does, it looks like this kind of bunch of grass that's coming up out and, you know, sprouting out.
0: And then the other thing that popped up, which I, I'm, I'm spoiler alert I'm going to talk a little bit about this in my my, during my plant is when we talk about houseplants we we don't talk about flowers that often I think because houseplants because of their habit don't but the first thing that pops up in Wikipedia is a little picture of a flower of the spider Mm -hmm. plant I wonder have you ever seen a flower on any any of your spider plants
1: yeah yeah in fact uh, the plant behind me uh, flowered last year oh cool just the right conditions. You know, that's the thing about uh, houseplants. Conditions just kind of sometimes have to be just right, and you never know when, but you know, and then they'll start sprouting their flowers. But yeah, there are again these little, like, uh, little white flowers. Again, similar to the plant, has these cool, like, petals that are long petals that uh, come up out of it. And uh, yeah, just really cool, neat little flowers. And uh, they'll grow along those uh, stems. That the uh, little plantlets uh, grow off of. Interesting, and how
0: and how many flowers um, did you see?
1: Um, I had a couple of stems that produced flowers, and it probably had maybe about three or four oh. per per stem. Oh wow, that's that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: so cool. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think. You know, like I said, I'm not much of a houseplant person, and I don't think. I mean, I haven't had many houseplants, but I don't think I've ever had a flowering houseplant. it's, it's like I feel like that's like the that's how you know you're like a real houseplant person is when you've had yeah. multiple houseplants flower.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you're, and you're keeping your conditions indoors, right? You know, you're getting it just, like I said, some a lot of the houseplants have to have those specific conditions in order to flower. And, and it always surprises me. I mean, I've got dozens of varieties of different pl- houseplants here and, and um you know, a lot of them when they flower, I have no clue that they even could produce flowers <laughs> most of the time. So And it was The same with that spider plant as well i'd never seen flowers off of it until last year
0: yeah that's i've talked about this a few times and it's one of those things that it should be obvious but like like the vast majority of plants that we interact with there's exceptions to this of course but the vast majority of plants are flowering plants and they all have some sort of flower but when we talk about houseplants, we don't ever think about it because, like I said, it's that conditions thing and they're growing in a condition that they don't. And and most of them are tropical and tropical plants tend to have these habits of being able to flower at, because they don't have seasons. They don't have the seasonal flowering. They have more of like I flower when the time is right uh, habit. And so because of that, I think people forget that houseplants also have flowers. It's just not
1: something you normally see in in houseplant conditions exactly yeah and 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 if you do it's really cool and uh and uh very like we said a very good sign that you're doing things just right
0: very good well uh, do we have any other uh, uh fun facts or dazzling details about um spider plant that we missed
1: um not too much that i can think of other than you know like i think one of the other kind of cooler things about them too is the one is part of them that you don't actually see and uh and uh i was just seeing this as i was looking at it too and and it made me think of it is that um looking at it online um these roots and some plants do this sort of thing is they uh, they kind of create these larger water roots to hold uh hold in uh water and it's kind of one of these cool uh, spider plants do that as well too and i and i noticed this i always wonder uh, and i used to wonder anyways if there was anything wrong with the plant because it had these big swollen roots whenever i would transplant them but uh yeah i think that's kind of cool how they that keeps them kind of uh, really uh, again to kind of drought tolerant in a sense mm-hmm. i mean i've let uh, uh, you know i've forgotten a couple of the plants and gone back to completely dry soil and still had really vibrant plants and i think that's you know really you know one of their ways of uh, survival you know is to be able to store that water in the roots
0: yeah what a great adaptation for the wild but also a great adaptation for a house plant probably why it makes why it's such a
1: popular house plant right because it's uh, mm mm-hmm hard to kill uh-huh. in a sense it's hard to kill and and you know that's one of those lot of things that people are looking for when they're looking for house plants is you know what's the you know what's the hardest to kill the easiest to grow what can i have growing in my house that i don't have to pay too much attention to and uh and uh spider plants are definitely one of those and that's one of the reasons why is that they can uh, they can uh, handle your uh, negligence <laughs> 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 or mine anyways not yours <laughs>
0: Well, very good. Uh, thank you for sharing about spider plant with me. Do you mind if I share a plant with you?
1: Awesome, yeah, I'd love to hear about it.
0: Okay, so I mentioned I'm not much of a houseplant person and I currently have three houseplants. Uh, two are, are succulents, which I don't know if those even count. They're like their own category. I mean, they are, but they're, succulents are their own category. And I talked about those in a previous episode, the echeveria, very common uh, succulent. Um, but the only other houseplant I have, which I acquired just about a year ago, um, is a rattlesnake plant. Rattlesnake I'm looking in your background. Plant. I don't think I see a rattlesnake. I see some snake plant in the background, which is, which is confusing. But rattlesnake plant is a different plant. Um, and, uh, and I got this plant... Last year, there was a thing called DC Plant Week, where a bunch of plant shops were kind of like getting together and promoting things. It was kind of like restaurant week, but for plants. And they had this mm-hmm. kickoff event, and I went down there, and I was like, I should buy a house plant. I, I'm not really into house plants, and so I asked one of the owners of the shops down there what I should get. And my biggest issue is, which which uh, we talked a little bit on kind of the in-between space here, um, one of the reasons I don't have house plants is because I have cats. I have three cats. Mm. And, uh, right. and I don't want them to eat anything toxic, but then if it's not toxic, they have a tendency to destroy it. And so I did have a really nice yeah. pi- parlor palm for a while, for example, but they just eventually just shredded it to pieces. Um, so I, I was asking, you know, what's a good non-toxic plant for cats? And she pointed me to the rattlesnake plant, and I was like, wow, it's this. You're looking at a picture now. It is a stunning mm-hmm. plant. Um, it really is, yeah. And I'll describe it a little bit here. So um, it it's, it's basically kind of looks like leaves shooting out of the ground. So there's like an underground root structure, but it yep. kind of looks like individual leaves shooting out of the ground. And the leaves are kind of long and oval. And on the yeah. front, or on the top, however you say it, and this is why they're called rattlesnakes plant, plant. it has this, it kind of looks like the pattern of a snakeskin. So there's mm-hmm. this alternating pattern of lighter greens and darker greens that look like a snake skin. Um, on the back, it is this beautiful dark maroon color, which is something you don't see in plants very often.
1: Yeah, um, I have a philodendron that does that, that red kind of thing on <laughs> the back side that's just really awesome and, and those kind of colors just really make great accents for your house but yeah i'm looking at a picture of this and it is just an amazing looking plant i've seen it before i don't have any of these here in my house plant collection but it, like you said it's really stunning growing in that similar type of fashion as we were talking about with the spider plant coming right out yeah with these sprawling long leaves and uh, except for they're just a bit fatter um, and then and they have um, like
0: a, they do, and they are they are a, a dicot, I believe, and so they do have the what's that? Oh man, I I nailed the pet, do they do have a petiole, right? So that's the the place where the stem meets the leaf. Yeah, um, yep. Whereas you know, spider plant is just like long individual strands. Yep. Exactly. Um, now that petiole is actually this, and botanists, if I'm not saying this right, I apologize, but I think. I got. I understand this now. The petiole, which is the you know, if you think about a leaf, that part where the stem meets the leaf is the petiole. On a rattlesnake plant, that petiole has evolved into something called a pulvinus. And we've talked about pulvinus. Actually, I think on the first episode of the show, the pulvinus is a adaptation that allows the plant to make relatively rapid movement. Um, in the case of the first episode, we talked about. Um, the uh, mimosa pudica, which is the which is the uh, plant that when you touch it it, it, it like closes up. Um, the the rattlesnake plant doesn't move that fast, but the rattlesnake plant is what uh, is what is often called in the houseplant world as a prayer plant, and that's because the leaves fold up, and so it's all sprawled oh, out yes, in the daytime. Yeah. But in the nighttime, they fold up and they're all up straight, and so they kind of look like hands coming together to pray. I think it's why they call it a prayer plant because it folds up at night. And the other thing about it, which is really interesting, is it not only folds up at night, but every time you come into the room throughout the day, it's in a different position. (laughs) So it's kind of like oh, right. moving throughout the day very slowly. Oh, that's great. And I've been meaning to do a time lapse of it. Maybe I'll get around to that before this episode's up, or maybe I'll do it for like a reel at another time. But it really seems to be quite active. And I think actually right now it's, it's winter, and so it's, it's really responding to light, and the light doesn't change that much in the house right now. So I've noticed it's yeah. not quite as, as, as dancey at this time of year. Yeah. Um, but it, it does yeah. do that.
1: Yeah, it's really fascinating. Yeah, that was kind of what I was going to say, is it that it closes up at night or that it opens up during the day. Yeah. You it, know what I mean? In that sort of sense. And I think that's kind of the point there you're saying is with the light changes that you're seeing and how it's opening and closing based on the light that it's yeah. getting. But one of the things I wanted to ask you, because I'm looking at a picture here too, and again, it's really stunning the colors and the way these variegations work in the leaf pattern here. And from what I'm seeing from the picture, and I... And, it, and I can't quite tell because I'm looking at some of the edges of the leaves too. Are they really wavy leaves or is that an effect of the actual uh, coloration and variegation?
0: I, I, they're a little, yeah, that's a good question actually. I, yeah, I think they're a little wavy, but I think the, they're a little wavy, but the effect of the variegation make amplifies that.
1: Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It looks like it's just got all these really cool ridges and yeah. waves going through the leaf but uh, on some other parts it looks pretty straight too yeah. and then you can see the coloration so yeah but again i've got to find one of these for my collection it's, and again grows similar too i've got another one where you know people can't see with it because it's audio but in the <laughs> background i got this one here too that kind of grows in that same sort of way that you're talking about yeah and, and what is that similar one thing
0: oh gosh is that a, it's not a calathea is it know.
1: You know what? I think you might be right.
0: Okay, because so that gets it. into a fun fact and dazzling detail here, which is, um, okay. the Latin name for this plant. Uh, it has two, and one is apparently now more correct in the like world of, um, in the world of uh, uh, like n- naming things. What's that? <laughs> that yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But but most com- com- commonly, and actually, the little the little tag that was in my plant when I bought it said it was a rattlesnake plant, Calathea. However, it is more accurately known as a Guppertia. And so basically, okay. Calathea is a genus, has a bunch of different plants in it. A lot of Calatheas have, like, rounder leaves, but have a similar patterning on the yeah. front and maybe on the back. But at some point, uh, relatively recently, they decided that about 200 species within Calathea were actually a separate genus called... And they named it Guppertia because somebody a long time ago identified them as there was a time when everyone was just trying to name plants and yeah. they're like and they're like, I'm gonna name it this and I'm gonna name it this. And then basically what happens is whoever named the plant first got dibs. So even though they were misnamed yeah. for a long time, when they realized yeah. they needed to separate by the rules of nomenclature, they had to go back to the first name that plant had. Which oh, wow. Guppertia is one of those ones I talk about in the show a lot is where it's just named after a dude, a guy named Heinrich Guppert. <laughs> so it's, Gu- oh, right, he's like a right. German guy and, and somebody wanted to honor him and so they named this plant after him and so now the genus is uh, named after him. Calathea, by the way, is for greet for basket because a lot of the Calatheas in their native Brazil are also used to make baskets.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you could see that with the uh, with the larger plant. Mine's pretty small yeah. at the moment, but with those stems and the plants like that, that would be something that they could be used for. Yeah, and there's that's some bigger cool, ones too. Fact yeah. There. yeah,
0: there's some big there's some bigger versions of bigger calatheas in the genus that are probably yeah. more uh, more uh, suited to that kind of work. So that's yeah, where the genus yeah, yeah.
1: Mine's in. still just pretty young, so
0: yeah. And uh, so so yeah, that's the two names of it. So the specific names so. Originally, people called this one Calathea lancefolia, which is, lancefolia means uh, lance-shaped leaf, so those longer leaves, because I think a lot of Calatheas at the time, when they thought it was Calathea, have rounder leaves. Now it is called Gupertia insignis, and insignis in Latin means remarkable, which I think is very true.
1: Oh, right it's a on, remarkable right plant. Okay, It is a remarkable plant, and one of the things I was checking out here too is it also flowers, like we were talking yes. about with the and, spider plant.
0: And and I was so this is okay. I got I got a. F- I'm trying to like organize my thoughts here. Um, this is one thing that I'm I'm so interested in house plants, even though I don't have a lot. I'm interested in the house plants, and I'm interested in what their habit is in the wild, which is shockingly hard to find on the internet. Like right. I was trying to find pictures of this plant in its native Brazil, and I, I I'm. I, I even tried trying to figure out its name in Portuguese, which in Portuguese it's called Maranta Cascavel, which Cascavel is the Portuguese word for rattlesnake, uh, which has to do with the, the bell. That's actually in Spanish. Cascavel means like jingle bell. And so Cascavel in, in Portuguese has to do with the rattle. Um, yeah. Uh, but, and also Maranta is the family that it's in and used to, well, even longer before they called it Calathea, they called them all mar- Marantas. And so this is a rattlesnake Maranta in Portuguese. But even Googling that, I found a few pictures of it in, like, some botanical gardens in Brazil. But I want to see, like, what it looks like in the jungle, you know, amongst all of its peers. And it's yes. so interesting how we have sep- – houseplants have been separated from their, like, origins in a way where it's really hard to figure out – like w- with a lot of them, some of them, that's not true, but a lot of them, it's really hard to like figure out like what their habit is in the wild because there's just most of the documentation, at least on like surface level, Google is all about the house care, care house plant care and not yeah. about the, the wildness. But the flowers are a good example of that. They don't flower very often like a lot of um, house plants, but yeah, they have these little yellow or white flowers and they stay really low by the base of the
1: plant, which is pretty interesting. that's kind of what I was seeing here, and I wasn't too sure because, again, too, it's uh, what what you're talking about with the name. What I'm seeing here is another Calathea says rattlesnake plant, but it's showing the flower, and it's as you describe. Mm -hmm. But, again, it's got rattlesnake plant and Calathea both put in there too. Well, and
0: to confuse it even further, there's a different Calathea that is sometimes called rattlesnake plant that has a much bigger flower that looks more like the rattle of a rattlesnake so it's called right. rattlesnake plant because of the flower whereas this one's called rattlesnake plant because of the the leaf pattern so yeah the, c- plant names are confusing
1: <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> oh another confusing thing about about um the guppertia genus is there were two other genuses named guppertia after this one was named and so they had to rename yeah. those so like this guy guppert was so popular at one point that people were trying to name genuses after him and has, and they had to settle it down oh okay I have, I have two more things to say about this plan, and then w- w- jump in with any other questions you have, of course. But I'm I, trying to get to the to the to the the, the things on my list. Okay, first thing is my house plan. I should have mentioned this at the beginning. So a number of episodes ago, I was talking to to a guest about. Uh, a uh, their, I forget what they named their plant. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, there was, a, but there was a there was a guest who was saying how she had named her plant after her grandfather because her grandfather was the first one to acquire it. Um, it was a corn plant, and and I yeah. started th- reading about um, why do people name plants. I'd never named my plants before. Do you name your plants?
1: Uh, no, actually. <laughs> And not everybody I, I, I haven't does. Thought about it actually, but yeah.
0: So not everybody does, but I I read a study and it really stuck with me that said that uh, plants that have names are healthier, and it, it is ah. and it's not it's not like it sounds very woo woo, but it's really more that when humans name something, they tend to take care of them better.
1: Right, you make a connection, a more personal connection, yeah.
0: So I decided I should name all my um, houseplants, and I actually delegated that job to my wife, who's really good at it. So I showed her the the rattlesnake plant. I said, what is this plant's name? And she said, Tabitha. And so that is Tabitha, my rattlesnake plant.
1: Perfect. Yeah. I think I'm going to have to do something similar. I'll get my daughter over here (laughs) and have her start labeling my plants with names. She's good at doing that stuff. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, a good, good idea. I'll and just it, have to. I'll just have to learn them all.
0: Yeah, and your plants look really healthy, so maybe you don't need that trick. But it would be a good, a good. I think a good task for a kid to to do. Um, <laughs> and then the last thing is is going back to the the prayer plant aspect of why of folding up. I, I was trying to figure out well why do they do that, right? Like right. like biologically, uh, evolutionarily, what what is the point of expending that energy to close up and open up? Right. Well, first of all, this habit, and there's a lot of plants that do this in slightly different ways, but that habit is called uh, nictinasty, which is a very fun word to say. It sounds like right. I mean, it sounds like something else that's got the word nasty in there. Uh, yeah. But it is just this. <laughs> it's just this thing of a plant uh, moving with uh, in like a day and night cycle in some way, and a lot of plants do that. This is one of the more obvious ones because it really goes from way out to straight up. Um, yeah. But uh, I was reading. And I was reading about the mechanism. It's very complicated. The, the pole venus, this modified petiole, the way that it moves and with chemical reactions. You can read the, the Wikipedia. It's very complicated. Um, but even then, when it comes to why plants like the, like the Calathea do that, we're not sure is, the, is number one. There's a lot of theories, but I think they haven't been able to figure out a way to test it. So one theory is that by having the least point up at nighttime, you are minimizing um, water loss when there is nothing to photosynthesize. So when you're like f- your, your leaves are out, you can photosynthesize. And so if you're losing water, you, that's a trade-off. But at nighttime, there's no, there's no sun, so why do you need to like show your leaves to, 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 and, and lose water? But right. in the jungle, I don't think that matters as much. So maybe that's, yeah. maybe that's the reason for some plants, but not others. But then someone mentioned um, predator avoidance. And then it hit me. And if there's somebody out there who's studying calatheas, please get at me. Because this is what I think is the reason why this particular calathea. this is my theory, completely unscientific. just me getting in the mind of this plant. I think in the daytime, it needs to photosynthesize. So it needs to put its leaves out. But it has this really cool pattern of its leaves, which probably helps it blend in with the dappled light of the jungle. Right? It has this pattern in the front. But at nighttime, that's probably a, a detriment because those those bright spots might draw attention to yourself. Oh, yeah. So it folds up and then it has this very dark maroon which is actually probably hard to see at night. And so uh, oh. various herbivores probably have a harder time spotting it because it kind of just cloaks itself. It goes into the shadow by putting up its leaves and only showing the dark maroon underside. So that's that's my theory uh, and I it makes sense, but, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not a plant export and I'm not a rattlesnake plant. So I really don't know what it's really doing, but that, that seems to make sense to me. Out of the
1: two theories, I would definitely buy the latter versus the former. So I, I like that idea. I think it makes a lot of sense. There's
0: one more theory, which might apply to this one, and maybe it's a double action with my theory and, and this theory. There's one other theory that that in the jungle, a lot of the plants exhibit this in a little bit different way of of herbivore control and the theory is this is at night if a lot of the plants fold up there's more open Mm. space for uh for odors to travel and for sight lines and so that herbivores are more vulnerable to their predators if all the plants fold up which is another i think a really interesting idea they like get out of the way at nighttime so that they they can avoid being (laughs) eaten by herbivores so because the herbivores are going to get eaten by their predators so really that's an interesting theory too um but yeah i, I, I was i was really uh i i thought this yeah. was interesting stuff
1: It would be interesting to see, like, I mean, you'd have to, you know, maybe take one out or take it out like during like a full moon or something like that. And, you know, kind of see what the leaves look like when the light's kind of bouncing off of them. Maybe they kind of reflect a little bit or maybe there's something there, which makes me think again about that, that reasoning of, uh, you know, plant predators or, or even other uh, animals that would you know herbivores that would feed i don't know at night you know but uh they would be really seen yeah if I, the if the if the light was just right at night to kind of create a um, you know kind of a you know, glowing effect
0: yeah i was i was thinking of um i was thinking of doing this it'd be an interesting kind of experiment i think it'd be in my mind i think it'd be very clear that if you went out at night and and held up one leaf with the um with the dots forward and one leaf with the dots, you know, with the Marine side, I think the difference in uh, like of, of visibility would be shocking. Right. And so it makes a lot of sense to be like, I gotta, I gotta close these up at night when
1: I don't need a photosynthesize. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, again too, and I'm also looking at the Maranta, the other prayer plant. And uh, again, it's got a bunch of just really cool patterns and, and, um, you know variegation and all of that's where I can see in the same similar situation for that plant you know again if there's a certain amount of moonlight or something that just cracks through the you know the forest or the jungle wherever it's at you know and those leaves were out it would probably create a bunch of glowing or, or luminescence type of uh, um, effect that uh, could be again detrimental to the survival of the plant. So I, I would definitely buy into that, that uh, reasoning.
0: Uh, yeah. T- well, I'm glad that my theory uh, sounds good to at least w- one person. Um, well, that, that's, that's all I have to say about rattlesnake Plant. But Enoch, do you mind sticking around for the last segment of the show? I have something to, to bring up, which we talked about on text earlier.
1: Absolutely. It sounds great to me. woman she can't be beat she's tailor made and she heap too sweet she's a rattlesnake in mama she's a rattlesnake in mama she's a rattlesnake in mama she wants to round me all the time
0: Okay, we're back here in the final segment of the show, and audience will know that the format of the show is, I invite a guest, they tell me about a plant that's meaningful to them, and then I tell the guest about a plant that's meaningful to me. And uh, it's a really great format, I like it a lot, um, but one of the challenges is that, uh, especially as we get in more shows, and we're out to 100 shows now, and with about two plants per episode, that's like 200 plants. A lot of like the common plants are kind of getting taken, quote unquote, um, and, and, and an experience I've had with a few people is so they mention a plant, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. That's already been taken. Is there something else? And normally they tell me another plant. I'm like, hey, that's perfect. But, but Enoch, who's still here with us, uh, he listed, he, we, we had to go through three other plants before we got to spider plant uh, that were meaningful to him. And so I felt a little bit bad. And so I thought I would say, <laughs> hey, Enoch, why don't you run through these three plants, which were pothos, corn plant and sweet potato and just tell tell us why those three are meaningful to you and why they popped into your head because i'm always interested about that and they those three came before spider plant which was a very touching story so these other ones must also be uh, be pretty interesting
1: yeah. Yeah, definitely. And um, again, too, just luckily, I'm a, a lover of growing plants and green things that I've got a ton of different varieties and, and, and uh, a lot of them are actually pretty meaningful to me. But the um, first one I mentioned to you, obviously, is very common pothos plant you know lots of people if you're growing them and again too, comes down to the idea that they're easy to grow really hardy they'll you know last forever and that's pretty much the story of mine is um that i have i've had it for over 25 years now wow and uh, before that it probably lived in this restaurant for another 20 years Wow! and um this restaurant got bought out by some new people and uh threw out the old plants and this thing was just dead i mean it would look like the most dead thing but i saw this little green little green node poking out of the the stem nearest the soil and i asked him if i could take it home and uh i did and uh again like i said i've had it now for 25 plus years it's grown around several different homes that i've lived in and uh it's um you know it grows in kind of like an ivy type of fashion and uh, probably as you can see but not everybody else unfortunately <laughs> but uh uh wraps around my whole living room here and if i actually wrapped it around completely uh straight out it would probably wrap around twice in both directions i imagine wow. it goes four, probably goes about 40 feet in both directions wow. yeah yeah and, incredible and, yeah and i've and again like i said i've cut it back and moved it every time i've had to move before i've had to cut it back and because you just can't you can't move the uh, forty sure. 40 feet 40 feet of vines (laughs) (laughs) exactly so i cut it back and it grows back again and everything but uh, it's really the uh, one plant like i said i've always had like a handful of them but since you know i was in my i think i was in my early 20s when i got this you know i've kept this one and it's come with me everywhere and quick question
0: uh, is what made you decide you wanted to take a little nub (laughs) of a plant like outside of a restaurant
1: again i think it comes back to this idea that i was trying to hold on to these connections of my youth as i'm going into my adulthood or something and i just moved to this city and started this job at this restaurant and um you know i had, i just got this new place it didn't have any plants It didn't have anything and i think there's just something in me that says you know i've grown enough plants before i know enough about them i can make this survive i can bring this back to life you know and that was kind of the mission at first was just can I bring it back to life little did I know again like I said I'd be carrying uh, it'll be trailing around with me for 25 plus years after that Amazing. and again in dozens of homes so easy to propagate you just cut again similar with the little nodes they create roots you start a whole new plant I've given this plant to dozens of people over the years so it's in dozens of different homes as well so I mean what a life it's led right wow
0: okay what about sweet potato that's another one you mentioned
1: oh man again coming back to my mom and early years of growing up one of the other plants that just completely fascinated me was that we went to and here's the thing she loved showing me these lessons you know take me to the store we bought this uh sweet potato and take it home and uh, you know she sticks some toothpicks in it or whatever it was and and puts it in this shallow Um, bowl and uh, within like a you know a couple of weeks it's now sprouting these uh you know um sprouts off of it which create these whole new stems which are basically called slips that we would replant into new plants but she just let it grow out as a plant so it had these big long sprawling uh, slips growing off of it and i just thought it was the coolest thing and i again love plants it was kind of really uh you know something that was just really inside of me that uh you know when we were young if you remember back in school you would have show and tell mm-hmm. i made my mother grab up this thing and you know stick it in the car travel it all the way down <laughs> to my school and you know uh, so i could show it off to the class because i thought it was just the coolest thing you know that you could take a potato and like you know a month or so later you have this big cool sprawling plant
0: <laughs> yeah, I've I've done that once before. I've grown the, the the slips, you know, and I ended up planting a bunch of sweet potatoes from them. But yeah, I didn't realize it. It really becomes this kind of trailing vine too. And mm-hmm. I keep thinking I should just. I should just do that for a houseplant. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And you know, I think it probably would would it probably would die back in the winter May, maybe. I don't know. Maybe you can keep it going um,
1: yeah, just depending in, on your conditions of your home, if you're, you know, if you're keeping the, you know, keeping the conditions right, you know, not allowing it to probably get too cold. I think in the sweet potato situation would be all right. But that's how she what she grew it for was just this houseplant. I didn't even know steve until yeah. later on in my adulthood that all of those again those uh stems these slips that were that you could take them off and then produce whole new potatoes in the ground by yeah. growing them i didn't learn that until i started vegetable gardening years and Best. years later did you know that the leaves are edible yes absolutely They're it's so one good. Of the gra- yes they are yeah i have a friend who uh has a uh has a uh, YouTube channel, and that's just one of her favorite things she talks about all the time is sweet potatoes and the and the edible leaves. And that's what she eats most of is the leaves versus the potatoes.
0: That's very interesting. I did on my sweet potato episode I made, which I read about um, basically tempura fried sweet potato leaves, which was really tasty.
1: Ooh, yeah, yeah so that sound. sounds good. <laughs>
0: okay, and then finally, corn plant. Uh, I talked about this back on episode uh, uh, 56 with uh, Hillary and she told us about her plant which was named after her grandfather and she had it for I don't know she said that the plant was pushing 100 years uh, but you also mentioned corn plant as a plant that was meaningful to you so what what's your story with corn plant which for the audience that don't know, it's actually not corn like the one yeah. you eat. It's like corn exactly. plant, which is a I think a species of Dracaena, if I remember correctly.
1: Yeah, Dracaena fragrans. Yeah, and 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 here again too with the Latin terms. But uh, I knew Dracaena, but I, but uh, it wasn't until uh, probably one of the coolest things that happens with a plant. We've talked about this house plants, flowers. You know, when when uh, house plants, flowers. One of the coolest ones that I've ever had flowered was the corn plant. And again, it's called Dracaena fragrance. And fragrance for a reason because literally, I I saw this corn plant and I've had a couple of them. And it was uh, again, I have it right here next to me, but uh, it had a uh, flower popping out of the top of it that was starting to form. And I was like, oh, wow, you know, just fascinated for one that you know, it's got this flower. I'm like, oh, I'm going to th- have to keep an eye on that. And I remember um, I didn't think I probably didn't think about it for another few days. And then I was coming home from work and I walked in the house, and it was like getting, you know, it's probably not the right word, but punched in the face with this amazing, and I mean it was amazing fragrance. You know what I mean? I was like, what in the world is that? And I did, and I was looking around, and it it took me a minute to remember. Oh yeah, the corn plant was flowering. I went over to look at it, and it has this really and it's an odd looking and it ain't the best looking flower for sure <laughs> you know it's got this odd lacone cone type of flower and then uh, put in a, uh, and actually what it is is one of these flowers similar to a uh, sunflower ah. where where it's not you know we think of it as one big flower but it's actually hundreds of different flowers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all in an array so that's kind of what the flower is it looks like one big flower but it's actually like I don't know, 30, 40, maybe 50 different little flowers, but they drip this little, they drip this kind of uh, sap or whatever it is that just it has the most amazing fragrance. And it's like, I tell people is if you have a corn plant and you're lucky enough to see it flower, your neighbors are gonna know that your corn plant is flowering because they'll be able wow. to smell it. That's how, that's how it's eat- just, it,
0: I, I, I'm pretty bad at describing smells, and I don't know if you are too, but can you, do you any way you can describe like what it smelled like?
1: Mm, That's a hard question. <laughs> it is kind of hard. Um, the only other thing, and here's the thing, as far as like pungency and maybe some levels of similarity, is if you've ever had citrus and you mm, smelled mm. citrus flowers. And, and, and citrus does a very similar thing, it's just very fragrant. When they're flowering, you can smell it for a mile around, you know. And so, again, and, and I wouldn't say they're exactly similar, but if you think about that kind of pungency, that sort that of... ballpark. And, and not only that, when you smell it, the way you're... I mean, it makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It brightens your mind. It, You know, it just... It, it's like one... Of, it puts a smile on your face. You know what I wow. mean? It's really one of those great things that's just like wow, what is that amazing smell? You know,
0: I got to try to track down one of those flowering. So, uh, Well, well, that's really good. Thank you for sharing those three plants that uh, that meant something to, to you and glad we could we could get those in because I was like, every time you're messaging me, I was like, nope, I covered, know, nope, covered. I, I feel like this is going to be a theme of the show. I got to figure out a way to solve this problem a little bit. Maybe this is <laughs> one example is having people come on and tell me about them in the last segment. Um, uh, just one last thing is uh, I was on enix show which is let's get growing now we haven't recorded it yet but because of the magic right. of uh, of time travel uh, that has mm. been recorded and is available so there'll be a link to that in the show notes of this show and i'm sure it was a really good
1: uh time on let's get growing with uh, oh it was a great Enoch. conversation <laughs> it was great it hasn't
0: happened yet but it was awesome yeah
1: it was awesome
0: all right well thanks a lot Enoch. Uh, well uh well i'll speak to you in a couple of days and then never, yeah time travel
1: <laughs> that's right let's all time travel together
0: My guest on this episode of Rootbound was Enoch Graham. Enoch is the host of the Urban Gardener channel and the Let's Get Growing Weekend Gardening Livecast. You can learn more about both at letsgetgrowing.live. And also, as I mentioned before, I was on a recent episode. There will be a link to that one in the show notes. If you like Rootbound and you want to help support the show, visit rootboundpodcastcom support to find all the different ways you can help support the show, including sending me a message. Uh, the email is Rootbound Podcast at gmail.com. Rootbound is hosted by Petiolate podcaster Steve Ellington. Music by Christian Kriegeskota, Fake ads by David Lonnie. Rootbound is a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside, but if you can go outside, don't forget to water your houseplants first.
1: Black Locust. I know it sounds like some kind of bug, but but really, it's a tree.